Hey, well, good morning, church. This is kind of a crossroads Sundays, isn't it? Whenever you hear the booming sound of fighter planes overhead, usually that's a sign that the CNE has reached its last weekend. The air show is on. We're looking back at the summer that was, lots of things to celebrate, and we're looking forward to the fall with even more reasons to celebrate. But it's a different kind of crossroads for us, too, as a church. This is, as you've heard mentioned a number of times today and over the past week, this is is the beginning of our 50th anniversary year, starting next Sunday. Lots of festivities planned, lots of opportunities to think legacy and look back at the at the efforts of those who first received the vision from God in order to, to plant a ministry here. But it's a crossroads because it's not just a backward glance. We're also thinking about what God might have for us for the next five decades. What is it that we hope to pass on to this generation? How is it the church is best positioned to be the church in the GTA in the 2020s? What does it mean to live out the gospel? And, and the message this morning, as we have over the past few weeks, is grounded in the words of the Lord's Prayer. But there's a sense in which this is a message not just for those who are here, but for those who are not here yet. It's been a hard journey over the past four years, hasn't it? And it's only just starting to feel a little bit like the world that we knew. We look around us and start to see faces occupying chairs next to us. It's not quite so lonely but if anything, these past few years have exposed some of the fault lines in our society. And one of them is that aching sense of loneliness that we carried and we carried it for a long time. So as we get to the Lord's Prayer this morning, and, and normally we're putting together a service and, and people say, Pastor, what's the scripture reading for the morning? What's the scripture reading? And I'm thinking, well, what can I tell them? What can I tell them? It's a single word. You want the scripture reading? We're going to say it together. Our there's the scripture reading for this morning. But in order to tease that out, we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at both the hours that are in the Lord's Prayer, but also the desire for the, and here's a word for us, the hourness of the gospel. You know, for, for the better part of 18 centuries, we understood that what God was doing in the world was bigger than any one of us individually. But there's something about the modern experience, the modern world that, that made that all very private, very individual, that God's work in the world is about me and saving me. And of course it is, but it's not just you. It's not just you in isolation. It's us together. There is something to the ourness of the gospel, that this generation, I think there's a hunger for that. If anything, COVID exposed just how hungry we are for the genuine article when no amount of Zooming can substitute for the experience of being together. And that's why you really leaned into a song that some of us hadn't sang since the 1970s. It's glad to be, we're glad to be part of the family of God. So I, I was reading this week uh, and came across, I think, a kind of a, an interesting living illustration uh, of what this can mean. It's a story of a pair of young twin girls, Ruth and Verena Katie, born 1984, like most twins. They shared a lot of things growing up. They shared a bike 
and a bedroom. They shared their toys. Uh, They shared meals and stories and TV shows and birthdays. They shared a womb before they were born. They shared a room after they were born. But the bond between these twins, Ruthie and Verena, went even further. They, They shared more than just toys and more than just treats. They shared a single heart. Uh, they were fused together from sternum through to waist. And while they had separate nervous systems, distinct personalities, they were sustained by a single three-chambered heart. Neither could survive without the other. And in this case, separation of conjoined or co-joined twins just wasn't an option. And so they learned to live together. They learned to work together. Take walking, for example. Their mother and father had, had always thought that, that, that mobility, walking, was going to involve one of them taking the lead and the other one passively just sort of trailing behind, and then they would switch, and the other would take a lead, and, uh, and the remaining sister would follow behind. The sisters had another idea. They figured out a way of dancing, and it looked like a dance, sideways. Them working together in moving across the floor. It was quite an elegant little art form, learning to walk. They learned uh, what it took to compensate for each other's weaknesses. Verena loves to eat. Ruthie finds sitting the table absolutely dull. She may eat only a half cup of fruit over the course of an entire day. No problem, though, because her sister is going to eat enough for both of them. Three bowls of cereal for breakfast, mom says, two yogurts, two pieces of toast. Ruthie gets restless while her sister's doing all this eating, sometimes out of frustration, will just throw her bowls and her silverware across the room, which leads to discipline. But in this case, the discipline has consequences for her sister. When one has to sit in the corner, so does the other one. And so the innocent party, they they learn this. They don't complain. They learn early on they are stuck together in the good times and the bad times. I'm so glad we're part of the family of God because we're stuck in this together. Have a look around because this is some of the group that you're stuck with. But if you could blow the walls out and just fill the room with telescopes and point them at all the other little gatherings like this around the city, you would see that we are really stuck with quite a bunch. And if you could somehow... Focus that telescope at locations all across the country, or even a super scope, a a Hubble scope, at, at, at gatherings around the world. You would realize that in God's great house, there is a vastness. There's a vastness to it. We have used all the way along through the summer months the pictorial language of a house, the Father's house, the great house of God, as a way of reminding us that the Lord's Prayer, the familiar words, our Father who art in heaven, is not just Jesus teaching us how to pray, how to speak to God. It's Jesus teaching us how to live. What does it mean to live as God's people? And this morning, remember our scripture verse for this morning? Our. This morning, there is this dynamic of the Lord's Prayer that I think sometimes we rush through really quickly. This is not a private prayer. This is not a me and God only prayer. This is the prayer of God's gathered people offered together. We share this house, this great house of God. We share a kitchen together. Give us today my daily bread. No, that's not what we pray. 
our daily bread. We're covered by the same roof, protected by the same walls. Our Father, forgive us our debts. Help us to forgive the debts of others. Our Father, lead us not into temptation. We may, we may not sleep in the same bed like those co-joined twins, but, but we sleep under the same sky. In a sense, we do share the same heart. We share a heart that, that is filled with the hope of what God has given us, and we share a heart that joins us together. You know, brother and sister is not just convenient language that we use when we forget each other's names. It's actually a rich reminder of the ourness of the gospel. Like the Katie twins, we share a father, a heavenly father. And we don't just pray to our father asking for my needs or asking about my sins. Of course, that's part of it. But but we use the language of plurality. Our Father, our daily bread, our debts, our debtors, lead us not into temptation, deliver us. And if we're going to give this room a name, how about we call it the family room? Did your house have one? Growing up, we had a family room. Other than the kitchen, that's that's where we spent most of our time, hanging out in the family room. I want you to just sort of take a long imaginary gaze around the family room in the great house of God. I mean, together we call God Father. He is our Father. We come to him in the name of Jesus. He is our Savior. But but when we go beyond that, things get really diverse. Have a look around the family room. Some of us got here wearing running clothes. Some of us came in suits. Some on motorcycle wearing leather. Uh, some in polo shirts and denim. If you listen in closely, you'll pick up a phrase in Spanish this morning or maybe Swahili, possibly in Portuguese. They're one of several of the dozens and dozens of languages represented in this growing body of now 70 different nations. It's a big room, the family room in God's house. If you eavesdrop, you'll hear some of our theologically minded people talking about the nuances of doctrine. You could, if you hang around here long enough, experience worship with a bagpipe or with an accordion and everything in between. You could ask the missionaries among us if they ever get lonely or the Bible translators among us if they, if they ever get frustrated. You could listen into the testimony of those who have been convicted and done time for murder and then God has grabbed hold of them and changed their lives. You could listen to people who have given their, their life to, to bringing forth music and art that gives beauty to the world. And if you wonder how all these folks from all over the world got here, Maybe you could just ask them. I think that's a story we love telling each other about the diversity of God's family. We were olive-skinned and curly-haired and, and blue-eyed and black. We've come from boarding schools and ghettos and mansions and, 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 and shacks. And, and we were, I don't know, we were curtas and, and, and skirtas. Is that a word? No? Okay, well, we, 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 we were saris and shirtas. We like tamales, we like rice, we have convictions, we have opinions, uh, we don't always agree, but we're together. And for 50 years, God has done something here that has brought the nations together. Before the United Nations had any traction in the world, God had this view of the family of God, and, and it's embedded right there in the Lord's Prayer, and it begins in the 
opening salutation. Because we pray not to God the Father. We pray to our Father. Remember I said that that when we're praying it, we're praying not just for ourselves. We're praying for people who aren't here yet. Can you imagine praying, give us this day our daily bread? And not just thinking about yourself, but that person that you passed by at the off-ramp of the QAW holding up a sign that says, hungry, can you spare some change? Can you imagine when you pray, uh, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us, forgive us our debts, our sins. Realizing, I'm not just praying for myself, I'm praying for that person over there who's carrying with them the weight of guilt that has them crippled up and bent over and they need grace And maybe they don't know enough to pray for it. They don't know to pray in the name of Jesus, but you can. And you pray for them. And you know they're going through terrible adversity in life. And so you're not just praying for yourself. Deliver me from temptation. Deliver them. Protect them. Keep them safe from evil and the work of the evil one. We are praying not just for ourselves. Several years ago, I've been to Jerusalem twice, not recently, but 1998 was the first time. We were out hiking around near the Jaffa Gate, and I remember this distinctly because it's the first time we were following an Orthodox family, at least I think, just based on appearance, an Orthodox father, three young children, uh, maybe the youngest about four or five years of age. Uh, The youngest we watched had fallen a few steps behind and she couldn't see her father, and she called out. And this is where my ears went wide open. She said, Abba, Abba. Uh, if you don't know, the, the word for father in the Hebrew Bible is Abba. I'd never heard it on human lips addressed to another human being. I'd only ever sort of heard it in my mind addressed to God. Abba, she said. He stopped and looked around and realized that he'd become separated from one of his kids. And so he waits Abba, she calls again, and immediately he extends his hand and he reaches back and he, and he grabs it. And he holds her hand tightly and, and we walk down this ramp and we stop at the side of a busy street and she starts to step out into traffic and, and he pulls her back. And the signal changes as he leads her and her sisters into the intersection. Right there in the middle of the street, he reaches down and he swings her up into his arms and carries her and continues their journey. Abba. Isn't that what we need? I mean, not just me and you, but us. And not just those who are here, but those who aren't yet. Who will take our hand when we feel like we are too weak to go on? Who will guide us through the intersections of life? And don't we all need an Abba who every once in a while will just swing down his arms and pick us up and remind us what it feels like to be safely and eternally home? Our Father. Our Father. But not only are we children in need of fathers, we're human beings in need of provision. In fact, we are, the earliest translations of of the Lord's Prayer had this in the margins, in notes. We are beggars in need of bread. Give us this day our daily bread, we pray. And, And boy, we don't like words like beggar. We don't like to imagine having to plead for for bread. Don't we earn enough money? Don't you have enough money jingling around in your pocket? To buy a loaf of bread on the way home? Sure you do. Most of you do. So what does it mean to pray for bread? Are we really beggars in the presence of God? In fact, sometimes it even feels offensive. We're not hungry. 
Now, I've got enough food. I make a good living. To be hungry is to admit somehow there's a basic need that I'm unable to fulfill or I can't fulfill. I'm not providing for my family. And that's something that we as sophisticated, modern, Western people don't like to admit. So there must be a better phrase. Not give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us little beggars looking for help. How about... Uh, we're abdominally challenged. You know, we could use a little bit here. Maintain a sense of dignity and independence in the world. After all, ultimately, you know, you are responsible for the food that you eat, right? You created the ground in which the seed was nourished. You created the seed that grew into a plant. You set the sun that warmed the sky, the rain that nourished the seed. It grew. You were there at the moment of harvest. You brought it in. It fed the livestock, which in turn fed you along with the grains. You did all that, right? Maybe in the end we are more beggars in need of bread than we like to admit. Had God not done his part, doesn't matter how many coins are jingling in your pocket. Give us this day our daily bread. And then Jesus moves us from the realm of the physical into the realm of the spiritual, which are so linked. I mean, linked far more often than we like to realize. What's true of our bodies is profoundly true of our souls. There is a need there. The need is for grace. And if ever there were a word that, that taps into the deep aching needs of our world that, that we don't even know how to ask anymore, there it is. So when you are praying, forgive us our debts. Lead us not into temptation. I hope you are praying not just for yourself, but for those who are desperate for grace and haven't found it yet. We've all made mistakes. I've made bunches. I'll make bunches more. But the line that separates the best of us in the world from the worst of us is it's just a far more narrow line than we like to admit. We'd be wise to take seriously the admonition of the Apostle Paul. Listen to what Paul says. Why do you judge our brothers and our sisters in Christ? Why do some of you think you're better than they are? We all stand before the Lord to be judged because it's written in Scripture, Romans fourteen ten. As surely as I live, says the Lord, everyone will bow before me and everyone will say, I am the Lord. Until that day comes, you keep a prayer alive, not just for you, but for those who aren't here. You speak the words of the Lord's house with the hope that more people will find their way safely home. Occasionally, you will find yourself maybe seated up or seated up close to somebody that you don't like, but we're all here by grace. And at some point, all of us have the opportunity to share grace. And from today onward, I hope every time the words of the Lord's prayer come off of your lips, They come not just as a gift of grace in your life, but as a gift for those who are around you. Remember the plurality of the Lord's Prayer. You pray this not just for yourself, but for those around you, for those who are not here yet. So we're going to do that now. Before we do that, um, this is a chance for you to stand up for a second and move, because I want you to do a full 360. I want you to look around. I want you to see who's here. Can you do that? Stand up. Okay, full 360 degrees, look all the way around. 
Okay. Now with your eyes open. It's okay sometimes to pray with your eyes open to the world that God has made. With your eyes open, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer. I want you to pause intentionally on the our words and the us words. I want you to be conscious of who is around you. Who's here? Pray for them as you pray for yourself. And then through the eyes of imagination, I want you to be conscious of those who are not here. Pray for them too. And if at all of this thinking and praying, you realize it's not happening for me in English because I don't think in English, will you please pray the prayer as you learned it in your heart's language? It may sound like a noise in here, but it's a joyful noise to the Lord. We clear on that? So let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever.